All right, turn to James chapter 5, and we'll be finishing up the book of James. And uh, speaking of James, <laughs> right, you know, we sang that song, you know, trusting Jesus, that is all. And, uh, you know, I think about a year and a half ago, as uh, Sister Aguilar uh, mentioned, when uh, uh, James uh, had a little bit of issue at work that somebody was giving him a hard time, and what did he do? He just stayed faithful, kept his testimony, and uh, just did whatever the Lord worked out there and kept trusting the Lord. And now he's, you know, through his faithfulness and trusting the Lord, he's seeing things begin to turn back towards a desire of his, you know, heart to reach a certain goal in his profession. And so uh, he said a, he said a good uh, testimony there. And appreciate that. Now, uh, please pray for Brother Wood and I. Lord willing, tomorrow we'll be taking his brother Michael. We were hoping to do it yesterday, but it didn't work out. So tomorrow... Lord willing, we're going to leave about uh, 6.30 in the morning and take his uh, brother Michael down to uh, Fairhaven, a home for men. Uh, there, uh, was the St. Stephen's, uh, about four or so hours away. So uh, pray that uh, the Lord will use that and work in Michael's heart. And, uh, of course, we went to uh, court on his behalf uh, about a week ago or so it was, to see if they would allow him to go down there. But now they just didn't allow him to go down there. They've actually ordered him uh, to go down there. So that, uh, you know, puts a little bit more pressure on him. So uh, really, uh, really be praying about that. And so we've been praying for him. So now we're taking him down there. And so we're uh, making, you know, trying to make an investment in this uh, man's, uh, man's life for that. So please be praying about that. All right, James chapter 5, and we'll read verses 13 through 20. James 5. Verses 13 through 20 say this in the Word of God. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that she may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Verse 19, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your grace. Again, we thank you for uh, those that we can pray for, what it is a blessing, just like we saw in these verses, that we can pray one for another. And Lord, we do. We pray for those physical needs, those spiritual needs, financial needs. Uh, Lord, uh, the things concerning the job, like with James and others, we pray for those traveling. And uh, Lord, I pray for those that are here, those that are listening in. You know the needs of our hearts, uh, dear God. You know uh, the wisdom we need and the important decisions we need to make in life. And Lord, we want to trust you. We want to rest in your faithfulness. And so, Lord, just work in hearts, and Lord, as we continue to study your word, help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and be we'd have us to be. To thy glory we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
So, of course, uh, these verses talk about prayer. Of course, we call Wednesday night, you know, prayer meeting. We always have that emphasis of prayer. So here we have some good verses about prayer. And so true prayer, of course, will bring us uh, closer to God, right? Because uh, we realize he's the one we have to come to uh, to pray. I like, I like this thought. Prayer, prayer brings heaven's help to earth's needs. I think that's a good statement, right? Prayer brings heaven's help to earth's needs. We all have those earthly needs, right? And we all need heaven's help, right? Uh, and so prayer is what makes that connection. God's the dot connector, I always say. He does that with people. And man, he connects, uh, he does that in prayer, right? Prayer is that connecting uh, uh, factor to bring heaven's help to earth's needs. So we know we have access to God as his children. I love that thought. We have access to God, of course, through uh, uh, our high priest, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, of course, that's how we pray, right? That triune God, we pray uh, to God the Father in the name of God the Son through the power and enabling, enabling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, spirit. You know, everybody talks about Romans 8, 28, but they forget that that's a prayer verse, really. It is, because you start off up there in verse 26, and 6 says, we don't know. By the time you get to verse 28, it says, we do know. How do you get from not knowing to knowing? Why? By turning your prayers over to God. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you go from not knowing to knowing. It's a, those are prayer verses. So in these verses, the Lord brings us, of course, to the conclusion of this good uh, practical book that we've been looking at, uh, the book of James. And of course, it gives a good illustration of Elijah in prayer. And uh, of course, the Bible, as we'll see here, shows us that Elijah was uh, just, a, just a man, but uh, emphasizing uh, his ability uh, to pray. And of course, uh, uh, God intervening, divine intervention. And so uh, you and I need to understand that God delights to intervene on our behalf. And so and he wants to intervene in our lives personally. And so he can, uh, God can change things. We know he can change people. He changed us when we got saved. And then he can change the situations uh, uh, in our lives. But as we are uh, finishing up here and looking at this chapter and getting to these verses, just a thought about James chapter 5. It shows us a few things about uh, believers, teaches us things as believers. Remember, as we went through verses 1 through 11, shows us that uh, believers need to be, teaches us to be patient when we're wronged. Anybody here ever been wronged? Yes, I know I have. I know you have. And so the Bible teaches us about how to be patient when we're wronged. And then, of course, it talks about our speech, how to be pure in speech. And then these verses 13 through 18 that we're looking at tonight teach us how to be prayerful in trials. Prayerful in trials. And then verses 19 to 20 finishes up, teaches us to be persistent in impacting others, if you will. So notice these words in verses 13 and 14. Is any among you, notice that word, afflicted, right? Is any merry? Verse 14, is any sick among you? And so notice those uh, words, afflicted, merry, sick. Sounds like the cycle of life to me, right? <laughs> You're either being afflicted somehow or maybe you get a break. Woo, amen, got a little bit of the mountain top, get to be uh, merry and joy for a while. And then, you know, <laughs> then uh, uh, you get sick or something, right? So it just seems like there's always that cycle of life, afflicted, merry, uh, sick, whatever the case is. But as long as we're in this life, we'll constantly be moving from one thing to another. 
And so that's why the Bible teaches us how to handle one thing to another correctly. Of course, that's just part of the Christian life. Paul certainly was afflicted. Let me give you this uh, a list as a reminder to all the things. So whenever you listen, you need, to, you need to highlight 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So whenever you're being afflicted, you can go over and compare your list, make your little list of, how you, uh, of affliction, and not, the, uh, not that it's not serious, not that it's not weighty, but just to remind you, compare it to, to Paul's. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 24, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Wow, what's five times 39? So thrice was I beaten with rods. Wow, uh, this man reminds me of when I was a kid getting whipped by my stepdad. Anyways, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. He says, man, not only do I have to worry about what's going on in my life, amen, as a minister of the gospel, I got to be concerned about what's going on in other people's lives. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Now, notice 2 uh, Corinthians 12. I want you to notice them here, and, and maybe you've noticed this. I know you know these verses, but something to emphasize here. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, beginning there, says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Woo. Amen. Think about that. Have you taken pleasure in any infirmities lately? In reproaches. Now, notice he's saying, I take pleasure in infirmities, verse 10, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. But notice what that said in verse 7. There was, he said, he didn't say, I have a thorn in the flesh, right? He doesn't just say, I have a thorn in the flesh. He said, I was, it was given to me. A lot of times when we think about the gift of God, we only think about salvation, right? We think about all the, the good things. But here he says, this thorn was given to me. It's amazing that even that, right, was a gift from God. And here we see that he prayed, and uh, for whatever reason, that prayer wasn't answered, at least the way he wanted it to, but God answered in the sense of sustaining him uh, through that and, uh, and with that. So we see... That that's just sometimes it's just part of life. So the Lord can heal people in answer to prayer. He has a purpose sometimes in illness, like we see there in Paul's life, and God intends to accomplish his will. So we saw that in James 1, it talks about let patience have its perfect work. Well, that includes in afflictions and sicknesses as well. 
Notice again in verse 13, what does it say? Is any among you afflicted? What's he supposed to do? There it is. Pray. Pray. Let him pray. There's many examples in the Bible of people in affliction praying and being able to pray from anywhere. Aren't you glad that you can pray from? I mean, I realize when we pray, we approach the throne of grace, but aren't you glad that you can approach that throne from anywhere? And it's amazing when you read the Bible, some of the places that people prayed from. Let me give you two right here. Of course, uh, Paul is an example in Acts 16. It says, who having received, remember he was thrown in prison in, in, in Philippi, Acts 16, 24, who having received such a charge, talking about the man over the prison, thrust him into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, Brother Joseph, pay attention to this next verse. Pay attention to this next verse, Brother Joseph. Listen to what it says. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. So what do you see there, Brother Joseph? That praying and having an earthquake and people getting saved, there's biblical, there's Bible for that. Amen? Didn't he give that testimony last week that they met and, right, uh, the place, the, uh, there was an earthquake and people got saved? Well, listen, there's Bible. People, oh, I don't believe that. Well, hey, it's in the Bible. God's still in the earthquake business, amen? God will shake you up and everything around you up uh, if that's what it takes to get you saved. So we see a good Bible for that testimony we heard last week. There was an earthquake, and we know that the Philippian jailer and his family ended up getting saved and many others. But So you, you, can, you can pray from, uh, pray from jail when you're in affliction, but probably one of the most interesting places to ever pray from, we find what? In Jonah. Now everybody knows that, uh, uh, you know, he got swallowed by that well, but he turned that, that well's belly into a prayer room. <laughs> That's a good thing to do. Man, what do you do? Well, turn it in, you can turn any place into a prayer room. Jonah 2, verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of looks of mine affliction. Right? Is any afflicted? Let him pray. Well, Jonah was being a, 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 a afflicted, and what did he do? He prayed right there where he was, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cry, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. And so if, uh, listen, if uh, Jonah can pray from there and his affliction, well, wherever you find yourself in affliction, amen, you can pray from there, and he'll hear you too. So what a uh, a good thought that is. Is any merry? Amen. Let him sing psalms. I'm glad we can sing hymns too. I, I can barely sing the hymns. I don't know how I do with the psalms, right? Is any sick among you? There it is again. Let him call for the elders of the church. And look at this. Let them pray. Let them pray. So the elders, well, you can think of elders, of people of a ripe age and experience, but of course, uh, the elders are also leaders of the church, right? You have the bishops and the pastors and the elders, leaders in the church. But now think about this. If indeed you are a leader in the church, right? If uh, you have a position in the church, among other things, you should be a person of prayer, right? Uh, uh, we have a responsibilities as, as leaders to be leaders in the place of prayer. 
And so one who has definitely seen, and we have, you want to have people with experience that has definitely seen God work through prayer, knows and understands the power of prayer. I'm glad I can uh, look back over uh, almost 35 years and say, oh man, I can talk about many instances where God moved mightily uh, through prayer and seen him great things. I've uh, seen just God do, do amazing things in answer to prayer. Seen people uh, healed in answer to prayer. So verse 13 says, let him pray. Hey, if you're by yourself, you can pray. And then it says, let them pray. Hey, if you're feeling that weak, you can call others to come in and pray on your behalf. So it says, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So Oil represents many things in the Bible. It represents gladness. Let me give you a couple things. It represents gladness. Let me give you a verse for that. Psalm 45, 7 says, Thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. Isaiah 61, 3, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. And no doubt, amen, if you were anointed with oil and prayed over, amen, and you got healed, that would certainly become a moment of joy and gladness. And of course, we know it represents the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6 says this, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, And I answered again and said unto him, what be these two olive branches, which through the two gold pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? Another thing it represents is victory. Psalm 92.10, But by horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. So, of course, we know that uh, oil was used for anointing uh, for many, in many different ways in the Word of God. We know it was anointed for what? Uh, priests. We know it was anointing for anointing kings and uh, other things throughout the Word of God. In Psalm 23, 5, the psalmist said this, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. But we see other examples in the New Testament about uh, the sick being anointed. Right? Remember when uh, uh, Jesus uh, uh, sent his disciples out and sent the 70 out? It says this in Mark 6, verses 12 and 13. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And then Mark 6 says, And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick. So you see, that's a good Bible principle. It says they anointed many that were sick and healed them. And healed them. And so uh, uh, what, a, what, a, what, a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful thing uh, that is that many, many were healed. Oh, give me one second here. We're healed. All right. All right. So I just want to make sure I make sure I had that in order. So we see uh, that uh, the power of prayer and in healing. So that's a principle through the word of God. So again, verse 14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we need to pray for the sick. There are sick and afflicted among us everywhere. And we do that by praying together. We do not uh, order the Lord around, nor should we have a, a fatalistic approach to our prayers, right, and resign that, hey, uh, just uh, whatever the Lord wants to do, we'll let him do it, but we should ask specifically. We should be specific in prayer and then calling uh, uh, others, others to pray for us. These people who come are the elders of the church. 
not some uh, healer. I still believe in divine healing, but of course I don't believe in divine healers. Anybody ever seen, I mean, we, of course we've seen people heal, but just like miraculously uh, uh, healed, of course, I, I've seen that uh, uh, more overseas, I think, because they don't have the, the uh, America's been blessed with a lot of medical facilities and different things like that. But uh, I could uh, give stories of just, you know, Lord miraculously uh, uh, healing somebody. And so uh, there's nothing that goes against that in the Word of God. God can still uh, and does still do things like that. And I don't believe these, uh, these ones on, uh, on TV you know, I remember when I was in the military, and I heard somebody making fun of uh, Ernest Angeli. I was like, I was shocked because I went to his church when I was a kid. My step, my first stepmother uh, took me to his church in Akron. I was like, uh, you know, I wasn't saved yet. I was like, why are y'all making fun of him? Why, that's, that's, a, that's a man of God. I was like, well, don't want, to, don't want to go there. But, but, you know, they're out there taking advantage of people. And that's a, that's a shameful thing because when people get sick and they're hurting, they become very, very vulnerable. But thank God, just because other people do it the wrong way doesn't mean that we can't, we can't uh, do, it the, do it the right way according to the Word of God. And so we need to pray, and we pray in one accord. You know, uh, we did this when uh, I mentioned before that uh, uh, Pastor Cole, uh, when I was still there and a member of that church, that he had a bad stroke, a bad stroke. And a lot of the people didn't think that he was going to be able to come back to the church. And they thought they were going to have to find a new uh, a pastor. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I sort of got upset. I said, what are you guys even talking like this for? Let's get some oil and let's get some men of the church and go over there and pray for him. We went to his house and, and uh, we anointed our pastor with oil. We, we prayed over him. And man, if, if you've seen Pastor Cole, you wouldn't even know that he ever had a stroke, and, and he had a bad one too. He, I mean, it was just shocking uh, how he's recovered. How how he's recovered uh, from that. So we've certainly seen uh, that happen. But God still uses that. So the next thought in verse uh, sixteen, of course, uh, we see about uh, coming up about Elijah. Here it says, "Confess your faults one to another." And pray for one for another that you may be healed. And there it says here, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, verse 17, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And so uh, we see uh, miraculously here uh, how God, how God uh, used uh, e Elisha. In a, uh, in, in a mighty way here and uh, in, in, in touching uh, uh, the, the land there. But notice it says here again, the effectual fervent prayer. Effectual uh, here. Let's see. Uh, I'm looking for a, a note there. But effectual means there will be results. So in other words, it says the effectual. So in other words, you're praying by faith, so you expect something to happen. I mean, when we go to God, we need to go expecting something to happen. And fervent, right, of course, means there needs to be some, there needs to be some zeal about it, right? There needs to be some uh, passion about it. It says uh, right here, uh, uh, the fervent here means this, not to take it or leave it prayer, but a take hold of a prayer. Notice that statement I wrote down. Not a take it or leave it prayer, but a take hold of a prayer. Putting passion in the prayer. Bringing a fire of the heart before the altar. 
And so if we come ex- with an expectation and we come with fervency, but then it also, right, says availeth much. That word avail means to add value to something, to turn much to advantage, to bring to a successful issue. And that's what we should expect in our prayers. Lord, I'm coming by faith. I'm coming expecting you to answer this prayer. Lord, I'm coming uh, 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 with, with, with a burden of the heart and a, a zeal of the heart, and I'm expecting you to turn this thing around. There's nothing, I mean, I mean, <laughs> why shouldn't we pray that way? If anybody's going to turn it around, it's going to be God. And so there's no reason that we can't pray that way with fervency and expectation. But it does give a qualifier there, and that is there, of a righteous man, of a righteous man. Listen, the character of the prayer, this is what I wrote down, the character of the prayer has much to do with the character of the prayer. Now think about that statement. The character of the prayer, if you will, has much to do with the character of the prayer. And so it does say a righteous man. And so, listen, uh, just like uh, when we took the Lord's Supper the other day, we didn't want to take that lightly, right? It said to examine ourselves. Well, if you're going with God with a great need, well, you want to examine yourself, amen, and make sure there's some things you might not to have to deal with before you go into that prayer. Matter of fact, it talks about uh, uh, the sins of the one that are sick. It talks about the sins of others in these verses, So if we're going to pray for others that might be sick because of sin or when we get down to verse 19 and 20 and we're talking about those that maybe have gotten away with God, well, we want to make sure that that, that our heart is pure and our life is pure if we're going to pray on their behalf. But go down to verse 17 where it says, Elias was a man subject to like passions. I am so glad that God put that statement there. I'm so glad that God put that statement because what do we do? We have a tendency to put, you know, Elijah and Moses and all these other people on a big spiritual pedestal. But God says, no, no, they, they might have did some things different than you, but actually they're no different than you. Elijah was no different than us. Same flesh. He also dealt with afflictions and sickness, of course, and had, had just like he had times of sickness, times of being merry, and uh, times of uh, times of affliction, just like Paul in the New Testament. So it was not uh, uh, it was not Elijah's natural abilities, right, that made him a great man of God, a great man of faith, a great man of prayer. It was his spiritual abilities, his personal walk with the Lord, and the same thing that's going to give you power with God. The same thing that's going to uh, uh, keep the touch of God on your life is your personal walk with God. Of course, in verse 18, it says, He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth, right? So he prayed for it not to rain for three and a half years, then he prayed again, and it did rain. Of course, that's a reference, right, uh, to 1 Kings. Let me give you those verses from 1 Kings. It says in 1 Kings 17, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of... Uh, one of the uh, inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not do nor rain these years, but according to my word. All right. Now uh, notice uh, what it says. That was 1 Kings 17. Now notice what it says in 1 Kings 18. We know he went up to Mount Carmel, and then after that, we're getting ready for the great rain. But notice these verses in 1 Kings 18. 
verse 41 says this. Now Elijah's talking to the king. It says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, drink, for there is a sound. Notice that statement. There is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass that the seventh time he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now notice verse 41. What did he say to the king before he even started praying? He said, there is a sound of abundance of rain. But yet, when he told his servant to go up, he said, do you see anything? He said, nothing. But he'd already said, there's a sound of abundance of rain. That is a statement of faith. Hey, you know you trust God when you can make a bold statement like that, amen, before you even go to prayer, you know, because God had already given his promise that he's going to do it. So you're claiming that promise that you make that statement. And yet, even when you go to pray, he says you saw nothing. And so what do you say? So, well, just go again. <laughs> just go again. Hey, listen, uh, don't give up the first time. Amen. Uh, just like it says in these verses, he prayed again, pray again and go again. Right. And then you'll see God do things. There is a sound, a statement of faith. There is nothing. Go again. Boy, uh, you, 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 you could park there a while and get some good, good thoughts out of that. Listen, like they say, if you're praying for rain, bring what? Bring your umbrella. I don't know if I, I, I know I've told a couple people this story, but I don't know if I've ever told the whole church. But a friend of mine that I was a, a missionary with, a guy that had a big impact on my life, and uh, I went to Bulgaria, and then he came over. Matter of fact, when I traveled to the Ukraine the second time, uh, he's he he and I are ones that went to went together on that. And uh, but he he had one son, Adam, and he, matter of fact, his son and Renata were born in the same hospital in Germany two days apart. Right, Renata was born March sixth. He was born March fourth. So when they were going up together, we always joked that he'd have to get married on March fifth if they ever got married. Right, that way he way he could be older. Right, but anyways. They always wanted another child. I mean, for years, they prayed for another child, and it just seemed like, you know, they, nothing happened. And I mean, literally for years. And so they, they came back to the States, and, and they were living in, in the States. And one night, they were coming home from church. And she said to him, she said, stop at the store. Stop at the store. He said, because they, and it was late at night. They're on their way home. She said, well, what do you need to stop? He said, well, I just want to get something. She went in the store and she came back out and he looked over and you know what she'd bought? She'd bought some baby diapers. She bought some baby diapers and she, she looked at him and said, God told me we're going to have that baby. God told me. And now they got a little girl named Charity. <laughs> little girl named Charity, right? And so, uh, uh, you know, that, that was a statement of faith. I mean, they, she, she believed God spoke to her. So to show that faith, she went to the store and she bought uh, some diapers, and not long after that, they had a little girl named Charity. You see, that's exactly like, hey, God, God, God said he's going to make it rain. 
When we pray again, hey, I hear a sound of abundance of rain. What do you see? I don't see nothing. Well, then you need to go again because that rain is a coming. That's the kind of faith that God wants to build us to have. But let's uh, let's uh, finish up here by looking at these last two verses. What goes talks about praying. It says, uh, verses 19 and 20. Now, brethren, that's talking to believers. If any of you, talking to believers, do err from the truth and one convert him, right? If any one of you from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So I believe these verses are talking about restoring a, a backslider, restoring a backslider. Listen, we need everyone on the team ready for battle. We need everyone on the team for battle. Now, that word convert means this, to cause to, err, to return from error, to cause to return from error, or to restore, or to turn back again. That's what the word convert means, to turn back again, to cause to return from error. And that's what it says uh, in verse 19, if any of you do err from the truth. Well, what do they need to do? If they err from the truth, they need to be turned back to the truth. They need to be converted. They need to be returned back to the truth. So convert can also be not a lot of times when we think about convert, we think about salvation, but we see instances in the Bible where it also means restoration. So it can mean salvation for the lost or rest of a restoration for a believer. It can be about being, or you think of it this way, salvation, it can be about being converted to Christ. Restoration, it can be about being converted to Christ-likeness, getting back uh, in your relationship with the Lord. And we see an example of that with Peter. Remember uh, when uh, the Lord warned him that, hey, you're going to mess up, Peter. You're going to mess up. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32 say this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Look at this. When thou art converted. How many? Wasn't Peter already saved? Peter was already saved. He what? He's going to err from the truth, right? He's going to deny that he doesn't know the Lord. And he's going to deny, which means he's going to lie, right? Well, what's a lie? A lie is a diversion from the truth, right? You didn't tell the truth. Strengthen thy brethren. And so it says here, let him know that he which convert the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. And I believe that's talking about physical death, right? Hey, listen, what, what happened in, uh, we see examples in the Bible, what happened in Acts 5? What? They came, Ananias, what did they, they physically died. They physically died, right? They lied to the Holy Spirit, right? They lied, and so they physically Died. Well, we just had the Lord's Supper. And what did it say uh, in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty? For this cause, many, what? Sleep. For this cause, many sleep. Galatians 6, 1 tells us this. Brethren, if any man over, is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. Convert such an one. Restore such a one at, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity covereth a multitude of sins. And so, of course, the principle here certainly applies to the lost, right? But it talks about, amen, we need to have a heart for the lost, but we also need to have a 
heart for our brethren that have gotten away from God and have gone astray and praying for them to get right with the Lord, to get right with the Lord. So we see the, so here we see in these instances, what's God showing us? Whether someone is sick physically or somebody is sick spiritually, amen, they need the prayers of the saints. They need our prayers. We have people among our church that are, that are physically sick. We need to be praying for them. But you know what? We also have some among our church, amen, that are spiritually sick. And you know what? We need to be praying for them. So we see it takes the power of prayer to heal, for physical healing. It takes the power of prayer for spiritual healing as well. So we see the importance and power of prayer. We need about being effectual. We need to go to God with expectation. We need to go to God with a burden and a passion upon our heart for maybe someone to be healed physically and for people to be restored spiritually as well. So prayer. Again, in prayer, the thoughts need to be fixed. The desires must be firm and ardent and the graces exercised. So again, whether we are praying for restoration of the physically sick or the spiritually sick, we need to go to God in prayer on behalf of these. And if they uh, desire us to come and anointed, we still, I, I, I have oil in my, uh, <laughs> I still I have some uh, oil still in my office. Remember, if you remember, we prayed for uh, Sister uh, uh, Sarah some, some time back. And uh, that is still a Bible principle. And again, just because people do it the wrong way doesn't mean we should be afraid to do it the right way. Just because people talk about the Holy Spirit in the wrong way doesn't mean we should be afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, in the right way, right? So what do we need to do? We need to trust God. We need to pray again. We need to believe again. And we need to trust God to work again. And so uh, what a great way to finish up uh, this, this book. Amen. Talking about being a patient and talking about being a people of prayer. God, help me to be patient in my Christian life. Amen. As I go through affliction, as I go through sickness, or as I, uh, Lord, just try to continue to make it through this life. But Lord, we often emphasize being a person of the word, but a person of the word, amen, will automatically be a person of prayer. Learn to pray the word of God. Anybody here ever pray the word of God? I know I've talked about that before. I, I haven't prayed through the whole Bible yet. I've prayed, I think I've prayed through the book of Psalms and I've prayed through other uh, books of the Bible, but I haven't, uh, haven't prayed completely through the Word of God yet. But uh, pray that as you go through there and, and, and claim those verses. And it's just a great way to stir your prayer life as you go through and prayerfully go through the Word of God. Amen. And just make those verses come alive uh, in, your, in your personal prayer. And uh, uh, Psalms is a great way to do that. Let's pray.